welcome to the Academy of General Dentistry podcast series featuring Dr. George Schmidt. Each episode features experts in the field of dentistry who share insights and inspiration to help you succeed. Let's get started. Hey, Dr. George Schmidt here, your host for the AGD podcast series. Welcome back. And uh, I'm really excited. I think we have a really great show today. Uh, we have a wonderful guest, uh, New Jersey's own Region 4 trustee, Dr. Joe Battaglia. How are you today, Joe? I'm doing very well, George. And how about yourself? Doing wonderful. Thanks for coming on the program. I appreciate it. You know, for people that don't know Dr. Battaglia, he's been involved with the AGD for many years in a lot of different capacities. Uh, he's highly respected within our organization and uh, just a wonderful, great guy. Uh, he runs a successful practice in Wayne, New Jersey. He's an associate professor at Rutgers School of Dental Medicine. He's a previous Distinguished Service Award winner, a Presidential Citation Awardee, and affectionately known in the New Jersey area as JB. He's really our go-to guy in the tri-state area whenever we have any questions of any, uh, of any substance. Uh, so, Joe, what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is advocacy. And, you know, when people think of the academy, what mainly comes to mind is education, right? We think of the fellowship and the mastership and all the great and wonderful educational opportunities that the uh, academy pro provides for us. Uh, but part of the AGD's mission statement is advocacy. And it's a very big part of what our organization does. And Joe, I was hoping you could sort of talk a little bit about that with us today in terms of, of how that all works. Well, first off, George, thank you for those very kind words. I, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, as far as advocacy and AGD, I'll give you a little background. I probably started with the AGD way back when I graduated dental school back in 1979. And I joined up because I really did think it represented the interests of the general dentists. And that early on, I found out that its main focus back in the day was really on continuing education. Um, so I looked at the AGD, not only from a CE perspective, but also to try to help make it a more uh, advocacy focused uh, organization. And I hope that over the years it, it has uh, adopted that view. So it really is a, a pleasure to kind of like rehash, you know, the history of the advocacy of the AGD as well as where it's going in the future and, and its present. So I applaud you for recognizing it and uh, giving me the opportunity to spend some time discussing it. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. So for those that don't know, you know, internally within the AGD, how does that work? What, you know, what, what staff and what uh, volunteer membership are devoted to that? And how, what's the structure of that? Well, there's two main components within the advocacy division. It's the uh, council, uh, dental practice council, and the council on legislative and governmental affairs. And the staff is, is tremendous. I, I mean, uh, we have uh, two individuals, uh, Jeannie Kennedy and um, Cindy Kluck-Nigren as the main dental practice advocacy staff, and Jay Fisher uh, and Rhonda in the legislative and governmental affairs uh, division. So they collaborate very, very well together. The um, dental practice people put together the uh, content for the legislative and governmental affairs people to lobby and advocate on behalf of the AGD. But there is overlap between the advocacy groups. Uh, dental practice will advocate to certain um, groups in the government, um, as well as 
the LGA uh, Council, which will uh, advocate mostly at the federal level, but now is beginning to expand at the state level. And I think that is critical component of the advocacy. I think we always have to answer the question at the grassroots level, uh, what have you done for me lately? And I think advocacy is one of the best ways of approaching that and answering that question. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. And I, and I, and I want to get to that in a few minutes. I want to talk a little bit about the grassroots uh, you know, movement and state level involvement and so on and so forth. Does the AGD currently have, do we currently have a, a, a lobbyist or someone that works on our behalf? Interesting that you, you mentioned that. Uh, we've had a longtime lobbyist in Washington, Mr. Pat O'Connor, uh, who just recently retired. So it is my understanding that the uh, Legislative and Governmental Affairs Council is actively interviewing um, candidates for a new lobbyist position. Uh, to date, none has been announced that I'm aware of, um, but I am very confident that we will find a, a lobbyist in Washington that will uh, meet uh, and hopefully exceed Pat O'Connor's uh, expertise and his uh, great, great uh, impact that he's made on behalf of the AGD in, in Washington. So I think that, you know, as you pointed out earlier, I think that makes it all the more important, you know, that we uh, think of, uh, you know, advocacy at the, at the grassroots and state level. And so what are some of the things that, you know, our membership could do to get involved um, since we, you know, since we're uh, currently looking to fill that position. I mean, how can we move that forward, Joe? Well, as far as the lobbyist position in Washington, that's a, a dedicated position and it's full-time as far as the AGD staff is concerned. So they'll work with them and uh, to find the best way to lobby on behalf of AGD's interests and policy initiatives at the federal level. At the state level, that's where I think AGD needs a lot of uh, constituent help. Um, the ability to lobby at the state level really requires um, the constituents to send people to uh, advocacy training at the AGD uh, where they'll learn how to uh, you know, do simple things like make an appointment to go visit your legislator, uh, how to advocate AGD's policy during that visit. Uh, who you really need to talk with at the uh, state level uh, to affect change as far as legislative initiatives go. Um, we've had some very, very uh, good, um, we've had some very, very good uh, training um, within the AGD. And I can remember several of the uh, council members over the years who started out relatively as novices um, and not to really be um, uh, that effective initially, but who went on to be extremely effective at the local level. So it's important that the constituents send people to the advocacy conference and advocacy training uh, events that AGD uh, holds. So Joe, how would, how would somebody who would be interested in in participating in that? How do they find out about that? Who do they talk to? Who should be talking to them about that? Well, always a good place to begin is your regional director, your local uh, legislative and governmental affairs chair, uh, obviously the president, or if you have an executive director uh, or executive secretary within the constituent to reach out to them. Uh, AGD pretty well uh, allows um, the information to flow freely to the constituents 
through the constituent calls. I think they're uh, held monthly where you have advocacy staff and membership staff and others providing information at the constituent level. The, uh, the dissemination of the information has always been an issue. Um, people uh, have not uh, read the uh, communications that have been sent out to the members uh, as well as, as much as they should. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the constituent uh, leaders also have the opportunity for them to uh, gain insight into what AGD is doing by participating in the constituent uh, monthly calls. So that would be the first way. Uh, second way, you can always just pick up a phone and talk to somebody at advocacy and ask them, what's the best way for us to get involved? Uh, we have toolkits. We have the ability to reach out should uh, a state require of lobbying efforts. Uh, we have several uh, programs that the uh, constituents can avail themselves of that would make it very, very easy uh, to get involved at the state level. So uh, it is just a function of somebody wanting to get involved, picking up the phone, or at least, at the very least, developing some sort of a, a contact with their local constituent leadership, and uh, they, uh, in turn, notify national that we have people that are interested at the constituent level. That's great information, Joe. And, and while I didn't attend the last uh, LGA conference, by all accounts, it was it was a tremendous success. And there was really a lot of good information that went on there. So I, I understand it recently happened. Is that something that happens yearly? Is it every other year? How often do we run that? Right now, we run it every year. We've had run it every year. It's in person. Uh, and I think it's vitally important that uh, it continue uh, at, you know, yearly at least. Uh, we try to figure out ways to engage more individuals um, in the training exercises. Uh, we used to have um, basically presentations, not only uh, by uh, legislators and um, involved members, but we also had hands-on type of training where you would uh, do a, a mock uh, advocacy uh, event uh, where you would be uh, uh, given some policy directives and asked to lobby your senator or um, a congressperson in a, uh, a mock advocacy uh, situation. So it was a lot of fun, but it also helps train and, you know, just make more, one more comfortable in that area. So it's a great event to send people to. So absolutely, Joe. And so, you know, I know it's really complicated and uh, there's probably a lot of moving parts, but you know, what would be your recommendation for the average member that want, would want to get involved in that? How do they go about approaching a local senator or congressman or something like that? What's the best way for them to reach out that that they might get the, the best response? First, I think that the first challenge is to identify the issue that you wish to lobby for. And that is critical uh, because we have to contain a, a unified message. So the first issue is, yes, I want to get involved. And this is the issues that I really feel are important. It's imperative that you contact the AGD to find out exactly what policy is uh, in effect at the time. So uh, we are consistent with messaging. Uh, the second step would be to reach out to their scheduling secretary um, and just go on the website and pick up a phone or send an email saying that you wish to have a meeting regarding the um, such and such bill or such and such issue, and you'd like some time 
uh, with the uh, senator, lobbyist, assemblyman, whomever uh, you wish to contact. Uh, they'll get back to you with some times. Uh, and it's not important that you actually meet your representative. Uh, most of the time, the people that really run the show are the staff. And if you get a, an opportunity to spend an hour or a half hour with that staff person, uh, that is just as good, if not better, than speaking with the uh, assemblyman, congressman, senator, or whomever. So uh, it's important that uh, you establish that relationship. That's the first step. Um, secondly, you can host uh, fundraisers. Uh, you can do other uh, things in the community that make yourself a little available uh, to that senator or assemblyman. You can call them to come down and have a visit in your office, show uh, them what you do every day. AGD has the resources, the toolkits, that if you want to get involved, we have the information. So, you know, you, Joe, you make a really good point, and uh, it's worth pointing out here that um, it's important that we bring forward a unified message. So anybody that might be interested in doing that, as you suggested, really should reach out to the AGD. And I know that you and others have spent a lot of time crafting, you know, white papers and positions. So is it safe to say that the membership can assume that we have a position on most of the controversial issues that are out there today? Uh, that can be somewhat tricky. I don't want to make any assumption. I would check with the AGD just to make sure. And if we do not have a position on it, um, a email to the chair of the dental practice or the LGA uh, inquiring about it would be a great first step. If we don't, uh, the council may decide that we need. If, we, uh, if they don't feel that it's necessary, uh, at least you'll get an indication on why the, there is no position. But I would gather for the most part, any controversial issues AGD would have uh, some policy on. And, and it's worth also noting that a lot of time and effort is put into, uh, you know, developing these mess these um, um, positions by, by the councils and people such as yourself. Um, and so that would be the steps in terms of how it would work. Things are brought forward, it's, de it's deliberated and so on and so forth. And how does something actually become uh, a policy, if you would, or a position by the AGD? Well, that's the sausage making, George, as you know. Uh, basically, the council members who are tremendously uh, devoted volunteers, they have really sent uh, a message, an exemplary tone for uh, all volunteers, at, at least at the uh, council levels that I've been working at. So the council members really are the, the forefront of the uh, policy initiative. Someone will come up or a member at large or a non-member may say something that may spark some interest. It'll be brought before the council. Uh, if it's deemed that, that it's a priority or deemed worthy of uh, further uh, research, the staff will research it, will come together as a group, discuss policy language. Uh, that policy language then is presented in what is called an action item report. The action item report is put forth to the board of trustees. The board of trustees will um, comment on it and then send it forth to the House of Delegates uh, in which it will be adjudicated and disposed of in an appropriate manner. So it starts at the, at the council by a member or a council member and goes through the, uh, the chain of command, if you will, 
and is, is voted on by all the delegates at the House of Delegates at the annual session. Now, should something be required immediately, uh, we don't have the opportunity to send it through uh, to the um, House of Delegates. The Board of Trustees can make a, an emergency decision and um, create interim policy. Thanks for that, Joe. That's great. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the mechanics of things and how it works and how we could bring things forward and and uh, and how we can get involved. But you know, talk to me a little bit, Joe, about some of the contributions the AGD has made on behalf of the general dentist over the past years. I know there's been a number of really important things, but tell tell our tell our listeners, you know, the AGD's involvement in those types of things. Well, they've done a tremendous amount of lobbying at the legislative levels, uh, and I'll get to that. But they've also done a lot interprofessionally at the ADA, uh, at the American Association of Dental Consultants. Uh, we've started a task force to review artificial and augmental intelligence in general dentistry. Uh, we've made inroads and present at the uh, National Association of Dental Plans. Um, we have also cr uh, created a, a great relationship with OSAP, and that really came very much into play during the COVID pandemic, uh, where we met uh, with OSAP, who was the designated uh, dental organization uh, for the CDC for infection control. So they were looked upon by the CDC as the go-to group, and we were very much involved with OSAP and the ACDC, as well as the other uh, professional groups. Uh, and during COVID presented a lot of good information and uh, some of the uh, policies that uh, CDC enacted uh, came about by the, uh, you know, the uh, le efforts of uh, OSAP and, and AGD, ADA and the other professional organizations. Uh, they didn't take all of our recommendations, obviously, but uh, a lot of it did uh, correspond with what uh, conversations we had. Um, we also have a tremendous um, success in the legislative arena. Um, I, I'm sure some people are aware of the Massachusetts bill. While AGD was not directly involved with that, uh, we did send support to the Massachusetts group um, and also involved in the Kentucky legislation uh, where we uh, looked at four key issues relating to third-party payers, specifically non-covered services, network leasing, virtual credit cards, and pre-authorizations. But we also have one that did fail, uh, and that is the assignment of benefits uh, legislation. And these legislative initiatives uh, come forward from a group known as uh, NCOIL, the National uh, Commission on Insurance Legislators. And this is a group of legislators that look specifically for insurance legislation. So if you can get language that would be adopted in that group of NCOIL, uh, it becomes very, very uh, possible that the state legislators will adopt that language. And that's why um, AGD as well as ADA uh, have looked to NCOIL to try to um, lobby on, at that, that level as well as the uh, state level. So there are a lot of things, a lot of um, issues that go on um, behind the scenes 
that uh, from a legislative perspective um, occurs uh, as a group effort between AGD and ADA. Yeah, I appreciate that, Joe, and, and and I do really want to commend you. I know that you know during the during the uh, times of COVID, trying times for everybody, both you and and the entire council that you were working with at that time did just a tremendous job of representing us. So I really do appreciate that, Joe, all your time and efforts that went into that. That was a fun. That was a fun time to be uh, very frank. Uh, we really, really did look out, uh, you know, and find different um, avenues within the federal government that we needed to uh, lobby. We we uh, early on, identified FEMA as the group that was really dispensing the PPE. Uh, we had an opportunity to contact them uh, at the state levels and a, a lot of uh, constituents to provide PPP, uh, PPE, I'm sorry, for the um, you know, local uh, practitioners to keep the offices open and functional to keep the patients out of the hospital. So it was a, it was a fun time. Uh, the council was extremely active. And I have to commend every one of the council members who devoted their time. I just, as chair, I just get to call the meetings. They just have all of the uh, responsibility uh, to get the work done. And staff was extraordinary. So a lot of behind the scenes uh, activity uh, and hopefully we were as uh, productive as we could have been during that time. Well, I think so, Joe. I mean, I, I'm, I'm acutely aware of all of the work that went into that. And, and there was so many, so much of behind the scenes. Uh, and, and just want to thank you on behalf of the, uh, of the AGD and also the, uh, just really the general dentist in, in, in general. Um, because as many people know that, you know, the AGD is the advocate for the general dentist. And uh, we, we want you to know that folks like Joe are always out there working on your behalf. So, Joe, let me ask you this. So, uh, you know, we've got a lot of stuff, uh, you know, we've had a lot of issues in the past, but what do you think are some of the biggest challenges and biggest issues that we're going to face as general dentists and in just the field of general, uh, dentistry in general? I think there's a lot in different areas. Um, I think the insurance reimbursements issue becomes a very, very important uh, area of concern. Uh, I feel that the um, area of having dental benefits in Medicare uh, will be um, a significant or will have a significant impact on uh, general dentistry uh, should it become, um, you know, law of the land. Um, I also think that somewhere along the line, uh, general dentistry has to establish itself as a higher level of recognition within uh, not only the uh, dental field, but in the uh, medical and professional health fields. Uh, by that, I mean, um, we have specialties in dentistry. Uh, we have new specialties in dentistry. Um, and dental dentistry, unfortunately, um, has very little in the way of recognition uh, above and beyond our wonderful mastership and fellowship uh, recognitions. Um, so uh, little, uh, little known is the American Board of General Dentistry, which I think is a wonderful opportunity for general dentists to pursue a higher level of quote unquote board certification. Now, while not professionally recognized, the American board is recognized uh, highly in the uh, military. Um, and 
um, it would be a wonderful opportunity for general dentists to have a certifying board that was recognized in the profession. Um, I think that uh, a challenge will be to have a, a certifying board or boards recognized in the absence of a dental specialty. Uh, I think that's a debate that I think we need to have. Uh, and I think it's an opportunity now to, to have that debate. I also worry about the level of training at the dental pre-doc level um, that um, we, I, I am seeing from an academic perspective. Um, back in the day, um, general dentists were trained in a wide variety of uh, specialty services. And I'm getting concerned that that is becoming less and less prevalent across the educational landscape. And we may be looking at um, training at the dental school level, not of uh, treating uh, dental issues at the quote unquote specialty um, level, but managing them and referring them. Uh, I believe a general dentist is the ultimate specialist and really should have the opportunity in dental school to attain a level of minimum competency in all disciplines of dentistry. And I'm concerned that that level of minimal competency may be lacking in some areas. So I think that is really the area that really I am I, most concerned about. Um, I'm concerned about the level of um, graduate training in the sense that um, the debt coupled with lack of real competency or at least minimal competency in the uh, young graduate uh, definitely uh, hurts their uh, earning potential and uh, delays their maturation into proficient uh, general dentist. So I'm concerned about that. that uh, I think that flies in, in all areas of, of uh, dentistry, uh, whether it's a private practice associate or in a corporate environment. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'd have to. Both of us, of course, we teach at the uh, at the university level, and 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 I share your concerns with that, Joe. But you know, what's the answer to that? I mean, you know, what's the solution? You know, we've had some significant challenges with COVID and the ability for students and whatnot to to really uh, have a great hands-on opportunity. I mean, what do you perceive as the solution to that problem, or how can we uh, tackle that challenge? Well, I think we ha it's it's a short-term and a long-term solution. Let's look at the short term. I think the opportunity of having more hands-on type of courses um, and have blended learning. Let's start out with, let's say, uh, internet learning and then uh, course learning and then hands-on learning and then patient-directed learning where you're actually in a continuing education course, have the opportunity to treat patients. Um, I think that is the short-term solution, and that positions the AGD in a wonderful position. I think the recent graduates, but the, the COVID graduates, well, well, for today, uh, need that specifically more than anyone else. Um, not to say that others don't, but we all do over our course of our careers as we uh, attain uh, higher levels of proficiency in areas that we don't necessarily uh, have when we started. Um, so that's the short term and it positions the AGD uh, to have those courses, uh, especially at the annual session. I think uh, we, we've talked about that. Your uh, vision for the annual session uh, is critical in the hands-on approach. Uh, I think that's, that's important. Um, and also will serve as a, a method for those in the corporate entities uh, to come out and, and learn 
uh, hands-on to be more productive within their um, employment opportunity. Um, we all need to have a certain uh, level of skill and the skill sets necessary, not only to uh, perform to the standard of care, but also to perform for an economical um, um, uh, satisfactory outcome. So there are a lot of issues and I think clinical expertise is really the answer to not only student debt, uh, but um, financial and uh, professional independence. So that's the short-term solution. I think the long-term solution, I think, is an advocacy issue. And I think the advocacy issue is interprofessional, not only with CODA, but ADEA and some of the uh, specialty organizations where outreach needs to occur to say, listen, uh, we need to train general dentists to be the um, gatekeeper as well as the individual groups to perform the procedures. And the specialties will not suffer. Uh, in fact, they will probably thrive more. Um, so I think it's important that AD, AGD uh, have an outreach and have a conversation uh, with the educational groups, CODA, the accrediting bodies, uh, to have uh, a, a vision or a look at the current educational uh, standards to see if they're meeting the demands not only of the profession, but of the of the uh, society and the public. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Joe. I think you're spot on with all that. And, and I'd like to think that the AGD is going to be here to support those students. And I know that we're doing so many things, uh, both at, at scientific session coming up in the coming years, as well as uh, you know, through our Dental Education Council and Dr. Linscock uh, are really working and they're, they're acutely aware of that. You know, Joe, before we finish, there is one thing that you did mention, and, and I don't think a lot of people realize the scope and the breadth of what, what's involved here, but benefits in Medicare. And you spoke also about, you know, we're talking about our, our younger dentists and recent grads. How is that going to impact their careers going forward? And, and maybe just in a nutshell, could you just talk a little bit about, you know, what that might mean? Well, I envision the incorporation of dental benefits. Recently, uh, in the uh, CMS definition of medical necessity, they've expanded that to include um, some areas of uh, organ transplant, um, heart uh, disease, and some other um, areas that will re um, be uh, eligible for uh, necessary dental treatment. Uh, that came into effect on January 1st of this year. Um, so it's starting to become more prevalent within the Medicare uh, arena. Why is that uh, important? Well, historically, the Medicare um, benefit, uh, medical benefit, is based on the, obviously the medical model. It's not based on a dental model and reimbursement model. So historically, the medical model, when cuts to Medicare occur, it was at the physician level and the benefits to the physician and then subsequently to the hospital. But the hospital always had the way to make it up through charity care, charity care reimbursements from the state, which never really filtered down to the physicians. So the physicians, their reimbursements were slashed and slashed and slashed. And I understand that, you know, there is a special need 
for the Medicare population to have uh, some type of a benefit. AGD's uh, position is that that benefit is best provided by the private sector um, and either through standalone dental plans or expanding the Medicare Advantage um, a marketplace uh, to include uh, dental benefits in, in that arena. But if the government really is in charge of a single payer or even just a Medicare for all, which was possible, or even just the Medicare for the over 65 population, uh, the dental uh, community uh, would be in a uh, situation where I think you could not be a, a provider. Uh, your uh, reimbursement would be controlled by the federal government. Uh, and should uh, the need occur where you would need the, the Medicare budget would be slashed or cut, uh, your reimbursement rate would be cut. And I think that portends very poorly uh, for the future of, of the young dental graduate. I don't foresee in the next two years, at least, uh, dental benefits in Medicare being a viable option um, at this point, since there's discussion at the legislative level uh, where uh, the um, benefits may uh, not be brought forth as far as dental benefits uh, in a, uh, a bill to reform uh, Medicare. Um, but should the uh, administrations change over time? I still think it's on the table. Uh, I believe that uh, AGD's position is uh, solid. Uh, and um, I hope that we will be successful in lobbying uh, going forward because I think having dental benefits in Medicare will not only change the dental profession, uh, but will adversely affect uh, the people that are in dental school today uh, and in their careers uh, for the rest of their professional life. So uh, I don't see it being an immediate issue, uh, but I think we need to be vigilant and um, understand that there are very uh, many groups that favor, even within dentistry, um, the uh, including of dental benefits within Medicare. So I, I hope that kind of answers it in a, in a brief uh, you know, synopsis of the issue, but it is very complicated and uh, very controversial at this time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's always fantastic uh, from the outside looking in when you want to provide, you know, dental benefits for as many people as possible. But, but in all honesty, uh, you know, that could be driving us towards a single payer system and with the dramatic increase of dental education costs. You know, where does that end and how does that, I mean, I don't see how that's sustainable. I, I know many people feel that way. Well, I, that, that is one of the, the uh, main issues that AGD feels that uh, dental benefits in Medicare is unsustainable, uh, depending on which benefits are provided. Um, so again, it becomes uh, one of details and even just the change in the defin definition of medically necessary by CMS has caused some consternation in some individuals. Uh, because they feel like it is the first step in uh, providing and expanding dental benefits in Medicare. So we have to be vigilant in that respect. If you're in the, in the group that feels that uh, Medicare and uh, dentistry uh, is a, not a good mix, uh, like somebody once said, if you, if you like dental benefits in Medicaid, 
you'll love dental benefits in Medicare. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great quote there, Joe. Um, I think, you know, just, just on that issue alone, I think, you know, the AGD obviously works very hard to on these issues to create positions uh, to provide lobbying and so on and so forth. And, and I think that's all the more reason this issue is all the more reason that some of our members, younger members should uh, be concerned and, and get involved and, uh, and really try to, as Dr. Patagli pointed out earlier, become involved at the grassroots level, because uh, it's really going to be your field going forward. So Joe, on that note, just remind us how people can get involved. Well, First off, they can reach out to the AGD at 888-243-3368 or advocacy at agd.org. But don't forget to respond to take action alerts that are sent out periodically and review capital connections to stay appraised of all these important initiatives. And if they wanna get personal, they can call dental practice manager Cindy Cluck Nigren at 312-440-4973 or Jay Fisher at 312-440-4321. So hopefully they'll be able to reach out in, in one of these ways and uh, get connected to everything AGD has available. Fantastic. So thanks, Joe. And uh, so our time is up here, but Joe, I really want to thank you for coming on and providing some really insightful commentary and, and sort of opening our eyes to a few things. And uh, Joe, could you, if you, if you don't mind, could you uh, supply your contact information if somebody would have a question uh, that they might want to reach out to you for? Sure, you can reach me at uh, my email is uh, B as in boy, A-T-T-A-G-J-A at prodigy, P-R-O, D-I-G-Y.net. Fantastic. And thanks again, Joe. Really appreciate that. I also want to thank our producer, Kristen Gover, Communications Director at AGD, for uh, putting this forward. And uh, if you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe to our channel. You can always find us on the AGD app. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or suggestions, you can, comment, you can contact us at news at AGD.org. So thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, George. Good night, everyone.